Good evening, everyone. We're going to get started. All right, we're going to open in a word of prayer. Father God, we just uh, come before you tonight, a uh, body of believers, Lord, uh, each one in here, uh, special to you, knowing you, and uh, saved and redeemed by you, Lord, uh, collectively. We're searching for your will, Lord, for Mount Calvary Church, searching for your will for uh, this light in the hill, Father God, this ministry that you brought here, that your hand is upon, and that you are the head of, Lord. We're just asking that you uh, be with our thoughts, words, actions, and spirit, that everything here could be honoring and glorifying to you, the things that can be shared could be Christ-centered, and that everything could be done to the honor and glory of your name. We pray all this through your son's precious name. Amen. All right, I'm going to open up with uh, a song. No, I'm you know, that's the dumbest joke, but everybody laughs at me, and you have no idea if, like, I had this, like, inner desire to sing, and I've been working with Pastor Vaughn to, like, build up my confidence, and then I start off saying I'm going to sing, and you guys laughed at me. But uh, I have the first task, and it's probably, uh, I'll, I'll say it's the worst task, just because I'm doing it, and I'm self-centered, and I think what I do is worse than everybody else, but I'm going to explain how we got here, how we got in debt. Um, 2006 and 2007, the church in those two years collectively lost $95,000. And I'm going to use the term gain and loss uh, just simply because that is when you look at an income statement and financials, that's what it, it is. If your revenue, which is giving and things we charge for some of our ministries like Awana and Upward, uh, if our revenue is less than our expenses, it's a loss. If it's more, it's a gain. So I'm just going to use the term gain and loss, but in 2006 and 2007, the church ministry lost $95,000. The missionary fund broke even, and the school is not going to be discussed uh, as part of what I'm going to share. Uh, at the end of 2007, even though we had just lost $95,000 in the previous two years, spending increased over the next three years, 2008 through 2010, by $190,000 on average per year over the previous two years. As a result of the large increase in spending over the period of 2008 through 2010, in that three-year period, the church lost $400,000. And that was coming off $100,000 loss in 2006 and 2007. Uh, the, mi the missionary support, if you want to consider it lost, we paid out $100,000 more in missionary support than we collected in donations. So we lost $500,000 in that three-year span of 2008 through 2010, coming off a $100,000 loss from the two years prior. So that's $600,000 of loss. Uh, as a result, what used to be a very secure and robust financial ministry was no longer. Um, we entered into debt, uh, opened a line of credit of a significant amount, and we're using it readily with really no accountability on spending. Um, during that 2008 through 2010 period when we lost half a million dollars, uh, some months uh, and some years for a whole year, we were spending $1,000 a month just on interest payments. Um, at the end of 2010, the board formed a committee of four men and asked them to re review the financials. Uh, those four men gave 10 suggestions to the leadership of the church. Uh, two of which were to establish a budget, which we did not have, and 
I'm trying to think of the second one was. Oh, just to address the spending, control the spending. Uh, of the 10 suggestions, including the budget and address the spending, uh, none of the 10 were enacted for 2011. 2011 began with the same way as the previous three years did. Uh, through April of 2011, the church had already lost $44,000. Um, in addition to that, we projected on pace we we're going to lose 128 for 2011. So we had this ministry that really had no funds, was borrowing a lot of funds. Uh, in 2011, we're in the same spending habits, $44,000 in the hole at the end of April. Um, in the summer of 2011, as we know, there's a change in leadership of the church. At that time, uh, the board got together and addressed the spending and the budget. Uh, a budget was established for the second half of 2011, and we addressed costs and addressed spending, uh, did what we can. We cut hours, cut some non-essential staff positions. Um, we ended 2011 $20,000 in the black. So we went from a $44,000 loss through April projected to end the year at 128, we actually ended the year $20,000 in the black. So in that six month period, we actually turned the financials around by 64,000 by addressing our, addressing our spending. Uh, at the end of 2011, for the first time, we established a budget. We brought the budget to the congregation. Um, 2012 was our first year operating with a budget uh, and trying to have a renewed accountability towards our financial stewardship. Uh, the financial numbers aren't done, but according to uh, Dave and Lowell were going to end the year right around $56,000 in the black. So it was a big conversion from where we were in 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10, losing 600 grand. Uh, and then if you take the first half of first four months, 2011, we lost 640. Uh, the last two years, the missionary fund, if you combine them, or uh, it's minus 3,000, so we've paid out 3,000 more than we've collected. So we've pretty much righted through financial accountability, the losses we had been incurring. Um, through that time, I think it's important to, to know, uh, our pastors, our current pastors, were obviously on staff. Um, PJ only had really sovereignty over the Ignite budget. Um, 2008, 9, 10, as we were losing a lot of money, PJ cut his budget by 22% in 2008, 20% in 2009, and then 6% again in 2010. So each year, he kept cutting his budget, going against the flow of increase in spending. Uh, and he came to the board and was pretty clear, we're spending so much money, we, haven't, we don't have it, I'm cutting my budget. Uh, in March 25th of 2008, right as we started um, this three-year span of losing a lot of money, on March 25th in 2008, Pastor Dick came to the board and said he was very concerned over the finances and we had no financial plan. Uh, proved to be very prophetic and wise as we then went on to lose a lot of money. Uh, in March of 2010, there was a board retreat and in that retreat we explained to Dr. Peterson, I, I say we, I was not on the board, but the board explained to Dr. Peterson our financial uh, planning and what we do and lack of budget and re reliance on faith for giving and not sharing uh, specific needs per se and collect for each need. Uh, and at the end of that, Dr. Peterson, after hearing from the board members and the church leadership said, uh, that's a formula for bankruptcy. And at that point, we basically were there uh, just collecting a lot of money. Um, at that same meeting, 
all the board members and church leadership were asked, what is the most important thing facing the church in the next year? And PJ and Dick both said, according to the minutes, I was not at the meeting, but I read the minutes, they both said uh, the finances of the church. We have addressed that, and uh, I think it's important to know that although we're in this hole, uh, Dick and PJ and Dan are very committed to having a ministry that does not have debt. That if you just think of the money we've been spending on the interest payments, we could have been doing a lot. And if you think of the money we spent in 2008 through 2010, we have had hundreds of thousands of dollars that we could have invested into something productive for the ministry. Uh, these three men are committed to getting out of debt and staying out of debt, and it's been a pleasure uh, to be on the board with them. Um, something I just uh, want to share to you is uh, I think we're extremely blessed to have Pastor Vaughn and what he has done uh, for this ministry financially. When he was named senior pastor, one of the first things he did was come to the board and say, uh, you pay the senior pa pastor too much money, I don't want that much money. Uh, he has turned down raises from the board on two occasions. If you do any ministry close with Dick, you know his receipts do not make it back to the church. He pays for things out of his own pocket. Uh, and we as a board one time voted to reduce the pay of somebody on staff. Uh, when he had heard that, he came to the board, the next board meeting, and said, can you take that out of my salary? I don't want you to reduce that person's funds. Uh, this is a man who's been leading by example for our church he also has a desire to improve the appearance of our narthex and sanctuary and came to the board about a year ago and said, can we use the building funds of $93,000 to free that up to start making improvements? Uh, as a board, we felt the most important thing was getting out of debt and staying out of debt. And we said, any f before we spend money, we should be really focused on making sure we're financially sound. We basically spent a lot of money generations before us gave. Uh, you know, the Bible says a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. My children are across the road playing upward tonight. They're playing the upward fields. They go to the school. Uh, I have not given a penny to build that building. I wasn't even a member here. But I benefited from the people before me at Mount Calvary Church. I want this generation to leave a legacy for the generations after us. Not that the 2025 Mount Calvary Church looks back and says, Wow, in 2006 through 2010, look at that. They lost $650,000 and didn't replenish the funds that they took. Uh, regardless of what happened over those years, it is our church uh, that this happened, happened with. Um, Dick and PJ and Dan and the board uh, agree wholeheartedly. We want to get out of debt, stay out of debt. And a financial footing of a capital campaign of parts A and B addressing the debt about 125 to 150,000, setting up our own line of credit would establish a firm foundation, uh, respect and put some respect back towards the ministry of the future based on what we've done for the last five or six years, not the last 18 months where we've got out of trouble, but the five or six years before that. Uh, and also it's gonna help the school because the school and the church have a similar cash flow issue. That 250 is really gonna be uh, gone into by the school throughout the year uh, to make sure that no interest is accrued and they have money to pay the teachers and such. Um, we also think that we can't ignore, uh, but basically it's more financial, financially responsible to focus on this building and build this sanctuary uh, 
that we could stay here and be here as opposed to consider building another building, which is where we were about 10 years ago. Uh, we were talking about a $5 million building, but we could do, you know, if we invest 10% of that, we could have this sanctuary able to go for a long time. Uh, but we shouldn't focus on the sanctuary until we focus on the debt and setting up so we don't go into debt again. Uh, I believe wholeheartedly uh, this is God's will to parts A and B of the capital campaign. Um, part C of the capital campaign is what everybody else is going to discuss. Uh, my piece with C is that um, it's up to the Lord what we're going to raise, how we're going to do it, who's going to decide how those funds are used, uh, but it's not up to me. Uh, the people who've uh, approached me, it, it'd be impossible uh, for even the few people who've approached me about what we're going to do with part C of the campaign to meet all their needs because they're so varied. Some people, for example, want, want nothing to do with the school with part C, and some people think part C should be all about the school. It's impossible to meet the needs of everybody uh, in doing this. But what's important is that we just come together with some unity uh, and focus on what is going to make this church strong going forward for the years to come. Um, that ends my time. I will say that we decided as a board to go in order of best haircuts. So Joe Dukes is up next. Yeah, we're definitely going to get a little bit more hair with this one up here. And the next one will have even more hair after me. Thank you, Brad. Um, just dovetailing into that, and, and I have not talked to Brad at all in regards to what he was going to say. I knew roughly what he was going to talk about, but Carl and I did talk because I didn't want to take away what he might, he might then go on to say. Um, I want to present to you a little bit of what impact stewardship uh, ministry is. Some of this you're going to know um, maybe as a repeat from what you've received in the past with this uh, vision plan fact sheet. But I'm going to read from the proposal that they gave to us and some of the uh, highlights of that so that you, I trust, get a picture of what, um, as a board, we're recommending in regards to impact stewardship, uh, taking that part C or the third part of the goals that were outlined, as Brad mentioned. I'm going to read this uh, statement about their philosophy. They say, if this project is God's will for your church, then you have to trust that he knows where every resource is located to see it to completion, to accomplish his ultimate plans for his church and his people. If this is God's will, it is your challenge as leadership to work with God to unlock these blessings, whether it is reducing debt for future ministry opportunities, building facilities for future needs, or renovating to meet current facility requirements. And so that dovetails right into what Brad was saying. We, we want God's will in this, in this regards, and that's what we're looking to him for and to us collectively as a church membership. And their philosophy is to continue to inform, uh, to involve, uh, inform leadership and train leadership, inform and, and involve the church members or given opportunities to take ownership in this process and then, uh, or process, excuse me, um, if I say a few English words like program and process, you'll understand why. And program has an M-E on the end if you really know how to spell English. Um, and then pray. And this is the one aspect about their ministry that I personally was very impressed with. 
is the spiritual emphasis and scriptural emphasis that uh, when we met with Dr. Gary Effinger, he clearly uh, came across with that as his number one uh, viewpoint. Then act to uh, get the church to participate where everyone is challenged to be involved in the process in some, in some manner in praying and giving. The Part of the spiritual foundation that they uh, seek to undertake is teaching on stewardship, uh, giving on stewardship, on in providing stewardship uh, resources, and then some, uh, obviously, the, the scriptural principles and prayer focus. And every capital campaign is designed using biblical principles that we have seen God bless from time, uh, time and time again. Uh, you may have heard they've worked in a uh, uh, triple-digit number of campaigns, and so they've had uh, success in those campaigns, and they've been varied in their scope of what they were doing. Um, but it was all for the purpose of those three points earlier of maybe reducing debt, building facilities, or renovating facilities. Now, they will provide a team of people. So when you look at the fee, and you see a fee of... 47,500 as their fee, that's all that's gonna to have to be paid in a three-year campaign. You consider if you were to take on someone, one individual uh, for one year, that might be their salary, um, and then you may have benefits on top of that, obviously. Well, in their team, they provide their lead consultant, uh, Gary being, I believe, that person that oversees the process, and devotes multiple days on site to meet with individuals, to meet with uh, the stewardship team, as well as individuals wanting more information about um, the whole stewardship process. A training specialist that oversees a series of leadership training meetings, uh, behind the scene details to ensure a smooth campaign uh, for the pastoral staff and the volunteers. A project manager who works from their headquarters and is available to assist as needed. Uh, they're there to answer any in-depth questions anytime anyone would want to uh, bring those questions up during the, the process of the capital campaign. A creative director, they offer support, training in print, video, website uh, development for the campaign. They will tailor make a video. They don't just come in and say, this is the video you've got to use. They will come here, they will take pictures and video and interview people, and then from that, they'll develop a video that is tailor-made for what we here uh, wish to do at Mount Calvary Church. And so they have a media department that uh, undertakes that um, to uh, develop through the print and video and website design so that those all link together and are all available in whatever way people prefer to get information, whether printed or whether uh, video or website. And then they have other support staff. So we're, in one sense, when you look at that price, it's not just having one person, it's having a team of people that are there to uh, give us the support that we need and also um, provide uh, greater accountability with more hands on consulting. And this will obviously, as Carl will come to a bit later, makes life easier for our leadership and our staff. Um, 
Their fee is a flat-based consulting rate that's determined by the average worship attendance, the general operating budget of the church for the current year, and the level of service that is desired. So that price that was included that I mentioned of 47500 includes the website, includes the pr printed material, um, and the, uh, the video uh, production where they bring a team of people up here to produce those DVDs that, that then, and video that could then be uh, given out to people to understand what the capital campaign is all about here for Mount Calvary Church. So that is uh, part of what that fee will be is their travel up here, their producing of the materials. And just to review some of those materials, they're going to have um, training material for campaign leadership and volunteers, stewardship teaching lessons for adult, student, and children. So they're geared for particular ages and they're all of us going through the same material together as individuals and as families. And then a campaign print package of all those uh, letterheads and letterhead, letterhead envelopes and um, commitment cards and brochures, all of that's included in that cost of, so there's not like they travel up here, there's not the additional cost of them traveling here, there's not additional cost of printing materials unless it's materials above and beyond what's included in this, of course. Then there's the guidance and assistance in the development of those campaign videos and promotional materials, print materials, as I mentioned um, uh, briefly earlier. And then direction in the development of a three-year follow-up plan with a, a quarterly tracking review. So again, this is 47500 that you pay over a period of up to six months prior, or, or it can be arranged to be even longer in the initial start of the campaign. Um, and then for the next three or two and a half years, you're not gonna be paying any additional fees unless we wish to do additional than what's included in that, of course. Um, that's pretty much a review of that information and of why we uh, see Impact Stewardship providing uh, us with uh, the help to begin that and to put together that whole stewardship campaign for the church. And I want to, where Carl is at, here he is. I'm going to turn it over to Carl because he's going to take that to the, to the next uh, part of this, which I'll let him explain. And as you can see, he does have more hair. Thanks. Um, my topic is uh, why we should use impact stewardship instead of doing an in-house capital campaign. Um, but before I, I get into that, I just want to make a disclaimer. Um, none of us are up here to sell any of you on impact stewardship. Um, I want to be very careful about that. Um, I'm here just to present what has been presented to us. Um, and then I'm going to um, tell you why I and some of the other board members, um, actually it was a unanimous vote at the board meeting, um, why we voted in favor of impact stewardship. Um, so, first of all, um, the focus of Mount Calvary Church is not, it's not money. Um, uh, we're looking at a capital campaign, and, you know, um, I've heard some concern that, well, visitors who come through the door, they're going to think, well, Mount Calvary is just all about money. That's all that you guys care about here because we're doing a capital campaign. Um, that's not our vision. Um, our, our goal is not to have nice, shiny floors. 
the nicest uh, speaker system in, in Elizabethtown. Um, we're not, that's not the focus of Mount Calvary Church. Our focus here, um, as we know, is on the Great Commission, on seeing um, the lost come to know Christ, um, on seeing um, Christians grow in their faith, and uh, more and better disciples for Christ. That, that's the goal of, of Mount Calvary Church. And I believe that if we're focused on glorifying God and making Him known, um, God is going to choose to bless our ministry. Um, is impact stewardship potentially a vehicle that God has given us, um, an, an avenue of, of blessing? I, I don't know. Um, that's, that's up ultimately to the congregation to decide. Um, there are three main reasons why I voted yes um, in favor of using impact stewardship instead of doing an in-house capital campaign. And uh, the first one is the success rate of uh, impact stewardship. Um, they obviously came with impeccable references. There was a comfort level, certainly between Pastor Dick and uh, Gary from the very first phone conversation. And then when Gary was in with us in the board meeting and presented, we, we were all very comfortable with him. He's got a lot of years of pastoral experience. He understands church ministry. He understands capital campaigns. And um, Joe alluded to it, but just over the last 18 months, they've raised over $100 million for churches. And um, one thing that they gave us, um, they gave us a little a folder, and, and this sheet here has recent results. And um, it's not just the big churches that they work with. Yes, they've worked with LCBC, and yes, they helped LCBC raise $20 million, but that's not us. So I just wanted to read off a couple of the churches here that, that they mention. Um, there's LCBC. Um, there's a church in Louisiana that they helped raise $1.2 million, which is four times their annual budget. Um, here's a church in Knoxville, Tennessee, with 300 households, um, so close in size to ours, $1.5 million. Um, there's a church here that had over $4 million for debt retirement. That's astonishing if you think about it. Um, so all that to say that they don't just work with big churches. They work with churches of all sizes, and they've got a pretty good success rate. Um, the, the statistic for me that, that was, um, I don't want to say sold me, but that I had a hard time looking past was that the average in-house capital campaign raises between 65 and 70% of a church's annual budget. So if you put this in terms of Mount Calvary Church and work with a rough number of $700,000 as an annual budget, on average, um, we would raise between $455,000 and $490,000 in-house. Impact stewardship, their um, average is 150% to 200%, one and a half to two times a church's annual budget, which would be $1.05 to $1.4 million. So yes, there's a fee of $47,500, which actually would be 5% less if it was paid up front and full. So it'd be $45,000. But even if you back out that investment of forty-seven dollars to $47,000, the potential net gain just working on impact stewardship studies and the averages is $500,000 to $850,000. Um, their success rate was pretty hard to ignore as, as I was looking at it. Um, from that standpoint. One concern that was raised during the board meeting when we met with impact was how would this impact our, no pun intended, how would it impact our regular tithes and offerings? Would it have a negative, um, uh, would it have a negative impact on the regular tithes and offerings? And they said actually it's to the contrary. Uh, regular tithes and regular giving actually goes up during a stewardship campaign because people 
um, kind of get hooked on giving. Um, stewardship is taught as a principle and people apply it um, all the way across the board. And furthermore, after the capital campaign ends, the regular annual giving continues at that higher rate. Um, so it has an overall impact on the health of the church as well. Um, so that, that was one reason the success rate of impact stewardship was one reason I voted yes. Another reason is that, frankly, our buildings just need upkeep. We need to uh, be good stewards of that which God has given us. And this building is, is a tremendous blessing. I've been here 10 years. I don't have nearly the, the history that, that a lot of you folks have. But, um, but we're responsible for upkeeping what God has given us. Um, and BJ is going to come up in a little bit, and he's going to talk about some of the specific things that maybe are going to be discussed. But um, in that Part C, Brad alluded to Part A, and A, B, and C, A being debt retirement, B being the stewardship account, C being potential remodeling. In that Part C, um, we're looking at doing things that will increase the longevity of the building, things like windows. Right now, we, we pay to heat the outside because our windows aren't very good, and in the summer, we pay to cool the outside. Okay, so we can be a little bit more energy efficient with what we do. Our HVAC system needs addressed. Our carpeting, uh, just general upkeep things um, would be included in that Part C. And I'll let BJ talk a little bit more about that. Um, but it's important to note that of the three phases, um, Part C, the, the renovation, does not happen until two things are accomplished. Um, parts 1 and 2 are complete. The debt's paid off and the stewardship count, uh, account is set aside. And then secondly, until all money is raised. Um, there's, Lord willing, there's no debt that's going to be incurred with any renovation that will be discussed. Um, it's paying cash. Um, and I think that's something we should all be able to get excited about. In one of the board meetings, Dr. Sheard, he, he uh, presented it this way, which I thought made sense to me. He said, when you want to buy a new car, there's two ways to do it. You can go out and um, you can put a little bit of money down, take out a loan, and make monthly payments and pay the interest on it. Or you can figure out how much can I save per month, save it, um, and then after an allotted period of time, you go pay cash for that vehicle. And essentially, that's what Part C would be, is uh, looking to save the funds and then pay cash. Um, what we do in Phase 3 is dependent on, obviously, the amount of funds that are raised. It's dependent on the study that will be done by Cornerstone Architecture and Design, if that's approved. And um, the specific plans in phase three would be determined by um, a committee uh, representative of the congregation. Um, and then the third reason, and Joe kind of touched on this, why I voted in favor of impact stewardship was because our staff and our pastors, um, they're very, very, very busy. Um, I had the opportunity this year to serve on the pastoral care committee. And... Um, one thing that my eyes were open to was the fact that our pastors work more hours um, than is in their job description, um, a lot more hours than what's in their job description. Um, Joe talked about all the different things that are included in that $47,500 fee. We cannot ask our pastors to take that on. We just can't. Um, $45,000, $47,000 fee for a full-time staff um, is dedicated to our campaign. And another way you can look at it is that we would, have, we would be paying $15,000 a year for a part-time staff person to oversee it, that, if you want to break it up that way. Um, so those are the three main reasons why I voted in favor of impact. And, and I also think, just, just on a, um, uh, another level too, I think 
if we do a capital campaign, whether, whether the Lord chooses to have us do it in-house or through impact, um, I think it's an awesome opportunity for us uh, as a church to have a sense of unity um, over a cause. Um, everybody here is very passionate about getting out of debt and being wise stewards of what God has given us. And I'm excited about the unity that, that I think the Lord will bring about through that. Um, also, um, I, personally, I think that if, if guests come through the door, and, and I've had an opportunity to serve as an usher, and I've, I've seen guests, they come through the door, they're here for a couple of weeks, and maybe they come back, maybe they don't. If they come through the door and they see hey, this church is doing a capital campaign, and hey, they have a clear-cut vision for what they're doing, and this capital campaign seems really well organized. This, these guys know what they're doing. This is a good ministry. I would think that they would get excited and that they would want to plug in and, um, and actually uh, continue, continue to attend. Um, so that's what I had. Uh, BJ, if, if you want to come up. I, for those of you who don't know um, what BJ's day job is, um, he's actually a professional uh, engineer. He's uh, licensed uh, to practice uh, uh, as an engineer in 10 states, I believe, right? And um, he deals with education, healthcare, um, institutional engineering. And so when he talks to us about the building, it's, it's from uh, a background of 18 years of professional experience. So I just thought I'd mention that for those of you who uh, thought that he leads worship during the week as well. Thank you. Um, so my uh, part of the uh, agenda for this evening is just to talk about um, just construction, um, potentially what construction costs can be. Okay, um, <clears throat> I'll start with the uh, the amount of money potentially that impacts stewardship when we started talking about capital campaign. <clears throat> just how much that they see come in through their work. Um, and it was uh, one and a half to two times on an average of a church's budget. So if you take seven hundred grand, seven hundred thousand dollars and you one and a half times, um, and I think we just one point oh five million, uh, whatever it is. So so about a million dollars um, <clears throat> or more. And so my task in this was to take a look, could we give our congr our uh, Sanctuary, a complete facelift and a modernization um, of just about every facet, every building system, every engineered system here for a million dollars. That's kind of where I started. What's my cap? What's our cap? And could we do that for that kind of money? So <clears throat> being um, a, having a positive outlook, assuming that impact stewardship would bring in, help, uh, help the Lord be on the board with the Lord and on his wagon, bringing in two times what our budget is. And if we set aside debt, we retired debt at 125000 and we put away 250000 for capital operating expenses that we can use as um, salaries and, and income at the school, ebb and flow, that left about a million dollars. <throat> and so I, I looked at the building and said, could we give this place a complete modernization for a million bucks? That's where I started. And so then I went back and looked. Then I started to break it down, and we looked at um, the first thing is the, the ceiling material up there. Um, there's asbestos in the plaster. It's not friable, which means it's not falling down on us and we're not inhaling it. Okay, so that's why we can leave it the way it is. Um, but if we start construction in here, 
then it has it must be addressed. And um, there's there's water spots, um, there's water spots up here and, and up there that have been encapsulated or sealed. So it's safe, okay, for us to be here, but it's something we need to address in the long term. And so <clears throat> I'd spoken with Jerry, um, Jerry Moore. I, th I think he had um, received a, a, a quote at one point what it would take to address that. And I think it was about thirty thousand dollars, thirty-five thousand um, dollars. But I also had the, the privilege of looking ahead another three or four years. And so when you're doing budgeting, you have to look down the road and, and try to decide based on what the economy is doing and what the construction industry is doing, how costs will inflate. And so today's dollars in three years, they're, they're not the same, okay? <clears throat> and so that was one thing. Um, another, another thing was to paint the facility the inside from every surface um, with the narthex, which now we call the lobby, and then potentially reaching out this way, at least to where the doors are, where we come in on the nursery side. Um, carpet under that entire area. Um, lighting, um, and doing something that's um, potentially more pleasing to the eye and more, just more modern. Um, that compares with where we go every day, all of us, regarding what generation we reside, in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, or 80s, we go to hospitals, we go to malls, we go to places that are beautiful to look at. And so um, to the outsiders who are outside the walls that we're trying to reach, um, that's where they spend their time. And so we want, them, we want them to feel comfortable here as well. So we looked at lighting. Um, we also, from research, we know um, that churches that are growing, that are drawing people and keeping them, have communication space. Um, they have large gathering places where they can talk and communicate. And so um, a couple of churches that we looked at had something really successful like this. So what we were considering is from the bulkhead where the clock is and where those two windows are um, and back is, is basically shelling that, tearing it all out leaving the roof, but then creating a maybe a grand lobby type space that would connect with the narthex and connect over here. That's structural change, okay? That costs money. That takes money to do that. Um, we also looked at potentially opening up the platform, um, maybe opening up on both sides in these directions, um, making changes to the platform. Again, modernization. Um, <clears throat> the structural pieces take uh, mechanical, electrical. Um, we also in this pricing that I put together, I put together a full coffee bar that would be somewhere back there. I looked at um, uh, tile, all new flooring, tearing out the risers that are back there. Um, <clears throat> consideration was also given to um, uh, video, um, recording our services, not only making um, um, streaming audio links for those who want to, to connect to the service, but maybe even having the, the ability to record it and to show that and let missionaries and other, other people connect in that way to us. Um, again, that would be an expense, but a good opportunity as well. <clears throat> um, making changes to video, uh, audio, uh, the sound reinforcement. We have a single speaker up here. There's a, a, a sub for the low frequencies over here um, designed for speaking, what I'm doing right now. And um, that's changed over the last 20 years. And so it takes different type of AV audiovisual system to support the way we are doing um, corporate worship and music and, and presentation audio, uh, the 
things in the screen and so on. Um, so all those things were considered. What I also considered, which most people don't think about, are um, architecture fees. Um, the study that's going to happen is a feasibility study to kind of tell us what we can do. Then we have to pay to have that designed. Okay, that's the way that works. And then there's also um, fees for structural engineering, which would potentially possibly handle this this grand space that I'm calling it back here in the back and connecting to the two sides. Um, there's uh, mechanical engineering, electrical, plumbing engineering um, fees. There's permit fees, um, fees for um, that we have to pay to township and local authorities. So I looked at all of that, and and this, and in my best estimate, could we do all of that for a million dollars? And so I put together some numbers that, um, that landed at a million, okay? So, not, and, and in, in doing so, I padded the number, um, or I added to the number what we call a design contingency, construction contingency, unknowns, things that we can't expect or plan on, to the number, um, to that dollar amount. So, uh, and that was in the, you know, the, the tune of maybe 20%, 25%. So um, it's just a really a broad brush stroke at a budget. And is it feasible to modernize the building we're in for about a million dollars? And so that's how we got there. There were some concerns about um, how can this possibly cost a million dollars? Well, now I've explained to you how we landed on a million. It's not necessarily a million, okay? Like Carl said, we part A, we, we retire debt, we go to part B for capital expenditure or capital um, operating expense. And then part C is what we raise. And if, and if God allows us to raise a million and a half dollars and we could do construction and completely affect our nursery wing and um, tear it down and rebuild it, if that's what we could do. But the point is, was modernization, um, having that first impression with a modern facility, um, and could we do it for that kind of cost? Um, and, and the other thing I also mentioned was too, as, we, as I looked at the windows, I think there are, uh, there's 12 in here, two here, this, uh, two or three windows paired at the back um, for the baptistry, and then a couple of the windows that are off the stairwells in the back here as you go down. Um, and then doing something with these drapes, um, the, uh, the box at the top there that hold the drape, that would have to be changed. So we looked at some of those details and um, all of that takes money. And so I assigned each of those things a cost. I um, inflated that cost, inflated it again for time value of money, looking ahead in the crystal ball down three or four years. Um, and uh, that's how we um, arrived at the number that we presented to you potentially that our construction cost could be. Okay, so that's uh, what I have for you. And um, we had passed, we had handed out um, cards or slips of paper, giving you opportunity to ask, to write down questions. Um, if you had them, if you haven't already emailed them or filled out a paper and, and dropped it off at the office. So if we could have folks, if you have those, if you could pass those to the center, please. And we have a couple guys pick those up and bring them forward. Then we're going to have a question and answer time. Okay, and uh, Pastor Dick, I think you wanted to close with the, as far as the presentation parts, um, close with a couple things. <clears throat>
appreciate these four guys sharing with us tonight. And uh, we'll open it up for questions, but we wanted to, some people said, I don't like to ask questions. So we wanted to give those people an opportunity maybe to put your questions on paper. And uh, we'll collect those, we'll answer those questions, and then we'll open it up for any other questions that you might have. And uh, you can address those questions to any one of the men that have been up here this evening, or myself, when we open it up for questions. So we're going to get these from you and uh, answer these. Any others? Anybody didn't get to turn those in? So give us just a minute to... This first question says, would the funds received from capital campaigns be kept uh, separate from regular giving and separate funds? Yes, they would be. Um, we will set up a separate account, totally different from our general giving, and uh, everything that comes in for the capital campaign will go into that fund. That fund will not be touched whatsoever for uh, general use, for paying bills and things like that. That'll be everything that comes in i'm really big i have to tell you i'm big about designated money when money's designated for something it needs to be used for that and uh, i will say in the past we've not done that real well sometimes and we've mixed and we're going to try to make sure whatever comes in designated for something that money is used just i'll, I'll share with you what we did this year in our missions um, I know some of you have often been concerned about the project fund being used for other things. This year, at the end of our missions conference, all the money that came in for the project fund was immediately that week paid out. So that money did not sit, so it could not get used someplace else. Um, so all that missionary money this year that came in, $25,000, which went out that very next week to missionary projects. And most of that went out to the missionaries that were here for our conference. So I just want to tell you, I'm, I'm big about making sure what, when money is designated for something, it, get, it gets used for that. We did the same thing. Dr. Shear feels the same way about those things. At the auction this year, many of you gave money towards a bus. We actually went out and we set up a separate account and all the money that came in for the bus went into that separate account. It's in the savings account right now. Is that not right, Dr. Shear? $9,300 is what's in that account. And it's waiting to, to be used, can't be used for any general uses or anything like that. So I think that answers that question. Okay. Um, <clears throat> One question is, are we addressing ADA compliance? Um, and that ADA is the American Disabilities Act. It was passed in 1984, and that means that um, we have to uh, make sure that folks who are um, physically handicapped, wheelchairs, uh, walkers, uh, that type of thing, can access our facility, okay? Um, what ADA requires that we have um, grade, entrance, no steps into the main portion of the facility, which we have at both of these sides. Um, the, there's a specific question about an elevator here. 
Um, I don't think an elevator would be required because um, we have uh, vehicle drop-off at this uh, Port Cochere over here and come through the lobby and in all the way down to any seat in the house um, in doing so. Now, renovations to the bathrooms, that would have to be addressed um, to make sure that um, the, what we call the wheelchair clearance circle. Okay, so when a, a wheelchair uh, is in a bathroom, then it has to have a certain radius available to make a complete turn in a wheelchair. Um, yes, those would have to be addressed, and um, in renovating the bathrooms, we would have to take that into account. Um, another question, uh, do we have a current appraisal for the land at the Grove? I think um, what we're referring to is up here at our youth um, facility, I think is what that question is about. Um, appraisal on the value of the land, I don't, I don't know if, if we know that. It's about nine acres, I think. Um, we at one time looked at building up there. Um, the limitations um, to, um, with Mountjoy Township were uh, strenuous at best. Um, and it just, it just didn't work. It didn't work for us. So, um, but, but nonetheless, that, that really doesn't answer the question. Do we have an appraisal on the value of the land? Uh, I, I don't personally know if I could speak to the value of the land up there. Um, and then uh, second question is what would be, uh, is there a question about interest rate? Um, Dave Schausberg, where are you? What, what interest rate are we paying on our line of credit? 6%. Um, I don't know if that addresses the question. Sam? I agree with you. We should try to get a better interest rate in that. That was I don't think that was ever mentioned. Um, what do you say? Dave, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that with this last time that we had to negotiate with the bank on the line of credit, we had to have a lien on some of our property. Is that correct? Define, right. So beginning of 2000, when Denny, Denny Greist was treasurer. Um, and I think the, the goal too is we're not gonna, we don't wanna be paying any more interest. We never wanna have to, once we've done one and two or A and B, depending which way you look at it, that Brad was saying in the retiring the debt and then establishing a stewardship fund that we could pay in and out of when we needed to um, have money like we do now with the line of credit at various times in the year where there's leaner times and then it's made up at other times. Um, just recently you were able to pay off some on the line of credit, but when we come into the next few months, historically there's been lower times hasn't there and we have to draw back on that line of credit. If we had a stewardship fund, we could pay into that, or draw from that and then pay back so that that 250,000 stewardship fund is the level of what we now have as the line of credit of 250,000. Is that correct, Dave? Yeah. 
Yes, the, uh, in 2011, beginning of 2011, was the first time that they had asked that. So they, they've, and they reduced the level that we could have as a line of credit. I think it was 350,000 down to 250,000. Yes, uh, the question is being, I sh I'm sorry, I should have asked. Uh, um, Jay's got another mic. And Sam, I'll let you take this and you can ask that question again. Did the bank ever make us give a lien on the property? Did the bank hold a lien on any of our properties for our line of credit? And yes, yes, yes. I'm going to switch with you because this is going to be the question. Um, and then well, the one thing I said about the, the property, we talked about building up there. I don't, I don't want to, I want to make sure I give accurate information um, about that process up there. Um, Dave, you were looking at me and shaking your head. I, I couldn't quite tell what you were, you were trying to communicate with me. Okay, okay. Okay, that, that's, okay. Um, at first, so, so to make sure I'm, I'm giving you accurate information, at first we were having a lot of uh, difficulty in looking at a church up there. Um, what Dave is reminding me is um, Charlie Bailey is on the Board of Supervisors and as a friend of the church, he went a long way in um, orchestrating some changes that would allow us to build up there. Um, <clears throat> nonetheless, um, taking a look at what we could do here and potentially having three services at 500 persons of each and seeing 1,500 to 2,000 people on this campus in a weekend on a Saturday and a Sunday, um, that far exceed, that's much more attractive than spending seven to $10 million on other properties. So that, that is not being recommended by the board, regardless of, of the, whether we could build up there or not. Okay, so, all right, question. All right, I have a question. Um, I'll read the question. Are we not able to fix our finances without a consultant? Why take on another bill or fee if our finances are already tight? Also, it sounds as if we are already doing what is needed to improve. So again, why would we do this? Um, and I think, um, again, kind of going back to what I had said before, the, uh, my section, um, in my mind, the answer is really twofold. One is, um, the, the staff, our staff cannot be expected to take on the amount of time and effort that is run, that, that it requires to run a, a capital campaign effectively. And uh, secondly, um, the success rate of uh, hiring an, an outside consultant, um, the potential return is, is significantly greater. Um, if, if the Lord chooses to, um, um, you know, have us do this in-house, I believe um, he'll bless uh, he'll bless our efforts. Um, I, I would have concerns about um, the uh, manpower and the man hours that would be needed to oversee it. Um, uh, that would be a primary concern of mine. I think um, Brad, you had said last year. What were we um, in the black last year? Twenty. So if if we would be looking at uh, retiring the debt 
and setting up a stewardship uh, fund of $250,000. If you worked off a number of uh, $400,000 for that, um, that's going to take a lot of years at running in the black, um, $20,000 a year. So I, I firmly believe a campaign of some sort is needed, um, at least for, for points A and B. Um, Joe has a microphone, and he'll come around. Um, any other questions? Um, Just real quickly, if you apply the 80-20 uh, rule where 80% of whatever is covered by 20% of the population that's involved in it, do, are there any statistics that show that the other 80% get more involved in giving? Uh, I'm, I'm more concerned about the hearts of the people that are, that are giving. Are we going to teach through this project the appropriate stewardship so that people continue to give past the end of this building project? I will happily hand off the microphone. Thanks, Grant. Yeah, that's a good question, Grant. And it is. One of the big parts of this program, and I think Joe mentioned it, is there is actual teaching that's done in Sunday school. There is a month of stewardship preaching and those type of things. So there's a lot of training that goes into that, into the people. Um, Brad, we talked. Can you give the statistics that you gave to me this morning about... <laughs> No, this, this is, uh, in that year of 2008 through 2010, that three-year period, I have the stats for that period on giving. Uh, those were given to the board without any names. So we don't know the names. But um, one of the things that appealed to me for Impact Stewardship is there is going to be a lot of teaching and addressing stewardship, and this church needs that. And we need it uh, based on what I'm going to share, and I was not aware of this till it was shared at the board level. 20% of the members of the church uh, do not give at all to the ministry. 45% of the members of the church, their household gives less than $2,500 a year. So if you look at that, that's 65% of our members give $2,500 a year or less to the ministry of Mount Calvary. Um, Impact Stewardship is going to have an education process towards biblical uh, stewardship. And I think that is something this congregation needs and it's one of the reasons why after they leave or they're done or the capital campaign's over, giving increases. And even why it's going on, giving increases. Uh, those stats are kind of sobering, that 65% of our members give $2,500 or less a year to the congregation. And once again, I think there's only one man who knows the names associated with that. And, uh, uh, but those are the stats. And that's one of the things that appeal to me is that our congregation needs to have this teaching at all levels. So. Other questions you might have? Uh, we as a ministry, if we pay this debt down, one and then two, that 250, is that 250 for the ministry as a whole? I've heard school mentioned and I've heard church mentioned. So is that as one unit that that money is kept accounted for, drawn down, paid back, or is it the school that primarily needs that uh, to keep the operation of salary going? You want me to answer or do you want to answer? 
the, the church is one ministry, the church and the school. And so anything that we have as outstanding debt affects both. Um, you want to dissect it? I, I can't give statistics. I'm not as intelligent as Brad because I don't have, I have more hair than he does. Um, but I think that that is true that there's going to be different times because of tuition, uh, ups and downs of tuition and gifts to the school as well as even giving into the, in the church at times, there's ups and downs as well. And some of those intersect at times where we need to draw in for salaries, whether it's for church staff or school staff. And I'm not going to say it's always more here or there, but it's our staff. And that's for church and school. And Dave can probably even answer this better. Um, as it currently stands, the, the church and school, it's one ministry and they share one deposit account and one checking account. Um, the school is the source of most of the volatility over the year. So right now, the school is looking great for the fiscal year since July because we had the auction We've had some big gifts. Um, and then from this, this point on through June, the school starts to dwindle. And so this is when we are normally borrowing back what we paid toward our line of credit. Um, so yes, the 250000 stewardship account would be shared between the two. Um, the school, the the cash flow situation of the school is the primary reason we would need it, but it wouldn't be a situation where the church is funding the school. This would just be a cushion that the nature of our ministry requires. And rather than paying 6% on what we're borrowing, we would be paying no interest and we'd be earning interest during the good times like right now when we'd have the whole 250 sitting in there. Is, is this, from, from your points of view, is this a one-time thing that we hopefully can do to set up to keep us for many years of, of the ups and downs? Or will we get into budget problems or, you know, staff or hiring or whatever, and, oh, well, we got to, two years later, we got, oh, we need more money. Uh, you know what I mean? Or is this budget principle that you are that you stand behind, which I'm grateful that we are as a ministry now presenting budgets, we will be held accountable on that money and work within our budgets, hopefully, is what. You know, I, again, I told you earlier, I, I really believe I live by a budget in my home. You know, I'm not in debt at home, except for my house and a car. And, and as, as a church, I don't believe we ought to be in debt either, you know. So I believe in financial accountability, and I believe that we as a church should run by what comes in, okay? And, and if, even if we just separated the school and we said just the church, as a church, we shouldn't spend more than we're taking in. If we have to cut, then we have to cut. And so that's why I think it's really important that we know all the time where we are. And so Pastor John and I talk about finances all the time, and I'm constantly talking to Kelly, where are we? And you know, and wanting, I look at the reports every week, and Kelly sends me what we've put out every week. And I try to stay on top of that all the time. So as your lead pastor, I will commit to you, as long as I'm your lead pastor, I will make sure that we 
do everything we can, and I know Dr. Shearer fears the same way because we've talked a lot about this, that we will try to operate without going into debt. That's why we're not going to do anything in this building by going into debt. We're going to raise the money. We're not going to float bonds. We're not going to do anything like that. We're going to pay as, you know, we're only going to do what we have money to do. So, other questions? Dave. L looking at those numbers, my only concern is that the number isn't big enough and that you're separating this building from the other building. And three years from now, the heating air conditioning units over in the other part of the church will be over 15 years old, 17 years old. They really only had like 11 year life. We're past that already. Uh, I'm just really concerned. There's a lot of additional things that are coming and they'll come quickly. And to separate the two, I mean, it seems like to me that for ongoing long-term ministry, we should be looking at all three of the buildings of what's necessary for those to progress, not just one. And you might find the numbers really more like 1.8, 1.9 million when you look at what you need over there over the next three years. And there's still, I mean, I got to believe Jonathan would love to have some, there's some improvements necessary over at the old youth center. I know how much stuff's always falling down during our wrestling practices. I, I would just encourage you to take a look at a broader vision for all of it so you're not in three years saying, okay, now we have to replace $150,000 worth of heating air conditioning units over at the school. And as you know, just as last year, we had lost like 21 contactors, went out on our heating air conditioning units. We, we have problems over there. Com uh, compressors are already blowing on us. Um, we just, I think there, we have to have a broader perspective and for the whole ministry. Um, and I would just encourage you to look at a bigger number. Okay. We can, we can go back to the board and talk about that. Thank you, Dave. We are, we have addressed the problem with our air conditioning heating. We now have one company, is Tom here? I think he's over at Upward tonight. We. We probably we now have one company, Price Heating and Air Conditioning, that works in both of our buildings, and they're taking care of our units, and they do all the work. Mr. Price, uh, uh, who Dave sent to us and, and has been a phenomenal help to us and um, saved us a lot of money already, and he, they're in here all the time making sure that we're doing what we need to do in the upkeep of our heating and air conditioning units. So, one good thing now is we have one person who's really overseeing that one company who's working with us and who, you know, that information that Dave just gave to you, you know, is he's telling us. We did ask him about this, this unit out here, and he did say, you know, with upkeep and things like that, he thought, this is what he said, that we could get another five to ten years out of it, out of the unit for this building. That's what he told us. So we are, you know, trying to look at all those things, but other questions? It's my understanding, and if I'm not correct, I would like someone to correct me, but it's my understanding that my wife and I will have an opportunity to vote on this decision on Sunday morning as to whether or not we accept this proposal or we don't. 
supposing, I'm just using this as an illustration because I want to be looking ahead and supposing that the congregation turns us down on Sunday morning and says we won't go with this, what plan does the board have to step up and where do we go from here? How do we handle the present debt? How do we get out of the scenario that we already find ourselves in? Uh, I would like some information there because it's going to affect my thinking and my voting if this is turned down. How does it affect us in the future? Well, if it's turned down, I think what we, and, and we're going to give you, you know, we're going to say here it is. We're going to give you some choices and we're going to break that up. Okay, so if, if you say, yes, we want to pay down the debt and we want to set up a fund, but we don't want to do it with impact stewardship. Well, then we have to go back and we've got to figure out what are we going to do. The, the thing is, we have, to, we have to run some type of capital campaign. That's the reality of it. If we're going to get out of the debt and we're going to set up our own um, stewardship fund, we have to do something to do that. Okay? Um, so we're going to have to go back to the drawing board and try to figure out. We're going to have to, and really what we're going to do is we're going to come to you and we're going to say we're going to put together a team and we're going to need a people that are going to help us. So we're gonna, it's going to come back to you as a congregation to say, okay, now you don't want us to use impact stewardship, so how, you know, who can help us do these things now? So we're going to come to you as, and even if we use impact, we're still going to have volunteers, but it's going to be a lot less than it's going to be if we don't use impact stewardship and we have to come back and say, okay, you know, now we have to do all this in-house. So you know, here we, we're going to need people to, you know, help us with all those things, you know. We won't be able to do as much as they were going to do, but we'll still need people to help us do all that, you know. So that's basically what will happen. We'll have to go back to the drawing board and come up with something else to do that. So. It won't, I can tell you this much, it won't be Pastor John and I who run a stewardship, you know, we won't be able to do that. It'll have to be somebody else who have to take it and run with it and come up with ideas because, you know, Pastor John was up here today up on the ladder taking that down, fixing, putting a new bulb and fixing that. And so we do a lot of other things besides just preach on Sundays, you know, and uh, I think we're pretty much both maxed out to what we can do. You know, without, I could do it. I could run a stewardship campaign. I could do it. Or God could help me to do it. But for me to do it, I'm going to have to give up something else in ministry. That's the reality of it. You know, I'm, both of us, Pastor John and I work about 60 hours a week, and so we'll have to give up something else if one of us have to pick up that responsibility. So somebody from the congregation will have to step up to help us run that. So that's, that's what will happen, though. We'll have to do that. fundraising for the school so how do those integrate if those are coming at the same time yeah well I, I think I talked to Jared I don't think there's anything going to be else now until and I could be wrong on this and so tell me Dr. Shear anything else that's coming from the school other than the little things that we do throughout the year there's nothing big coming else from this from the school that I know of is there 
I mean, other than what we usually do, you know, there's. We have about $6,300 that was given towards security. We know we have to deal with three things. We have to deal with the security in the doors, uh, better video system, and better communication systems between the buildings in case of, a, of some kind of intruder event and that sort of thing. We need informational systems. And, and so we've consulted with several different security people, a SWAT person, a policeman. Um, <clears throat> we have some training. And so anyway, we're going to need some money to secure doors. We thought we'd do a little fundraiser campaign, but there's nothing really big um, coming up. I just want to say I'm proud of the church for addressing the issue. You know, we're new here, and um, I think it's important to get out of debt. It's important to have running capital. Um, the school has actually run in the black for 20 years. If you, if you analyze the last 20 years of the school, the school has not run in the red between taking money in and paying it out. It's just the rhythm of how it comes and the finances. Of, and so the school is running at a very small margin to keep tuition down. There's going to be building upgrades. But I'm proud of the church that we're trying, we're not going into debt. We're getting out of debt and building a capital campaign. And so just from Sue and I's perspective, we're, we're thankful to be part of a ministry where the leadership is forward thinking. And whether we raise 400,000 or a million or 1.8 million or whatever, um, I think we're moving in the right direction. Whatever sin was in the past for spending money that wasn't there or errors, I think the Lord covers it in the blood, and we need to move forward with confidence, however that is, and, and not blame anyone or just to uh, trust God for whatever is in the future. Okay. We wanted to try to get you out of here by 8.15. We're five minutes late. I appreciate you being here. I want to remind you that the, the vote will be this Sunday morning at the end of the service. You'll receive a ballot, and you can fill out that ballot and turn it in, and then we'll let you know. Two weeks from tonight, I hope that we'll be back here for our annual meeting. I want to encourage you for that. Again, we'll be sharing with you a lot of financial things that evening. And uh, I really appreciate, uh, I just want to say, I really believe that we are where we are right now financially um, because of our board and because of Denny Greist. And I know Denny hates when this happens, but last year when Denny was the treasurer, he spent a lot of time going over things. He spent a lot of time meeting with uh, people that we have contracts with and, and dealing with those. And he put a lot of effort in last year to get us on this road where we are right now. And so he, he won't admit that, but I, I do. I was thinking about that the other day. And he helped us start where we are, and Dave's picked that up and continued to move us forward with that. So just wanted to, to mention that. A lot of things that we've been able to save money on and help our budget. Denny helped us get that going last year, and you know Dave's continued us down that. And the other person that is worth her weight in gold is Kelly Masters. Uh, we brought Kelly on last year to help us with our finances, and she does a phenomenal job. She really does. Um, spends a lot of time here working on our finances and I really appreciate Kelly Masters I really do and so 
Um, she has really helped us also save money and looks, you know, looks, looks for ways to help us to save money and has uh, put us with a um, different company for our uh, writing our checks or our payroll that's saving us money and even making it more efficient than those things. So certainly appreciate all the work towards finances that Kelly does for us. So just wanted to mention those and along with Lowell who counts the money and takes trips a lot during the year. We really appreciate it. No, I just, <laughs> just got back from Florida and uh, had two good weeks of offerings and looks like he's going again next month. So, no, we appreciate Lowell. And you know, if there's anybody who I think we have to trust, it's that person who counts the money and sees what you give and keeps that in his heart. And I'm glad we have a man like Lowell Olson who does who is so forthright in taking care of that very important job in our ministry with finances and uh, does not share that with anybody. And so I appreciate that. We have a great, great team here that's moving us forward in these areas. So let's pray again. Thank you for being here this evening. Father, I thank you for, Lord, so many people who sit here this evening that play such an integral part and helping us continue to move forward in our finances, Father. And Lord, I, I pray, even as Dave said tonight, Lord, maybe we're not thinking high enough. Maybe we just need to have more faith and even step out more to continue to meet the needs that we have, not only on this side, but across the, uh, the street there at our school. And Father, we just pray that you would help us to, to think about those things and to think about what great things you want to do through this ministry and reaching people with the gospel of Christ and training them to serve you, those things that you want to do and what you're doing here on an everyday basis in the lives of boys and girls that we are so excited about, Father. Give us wisdom, help each of us to pray and even fast between now and Sunday that we might really seek the leading of your Holy Spirit as we vote on these matters. It's in the name of Christ we pray, amen. Again, thank you for being here this evening. You're dismissed.